0: Good evening, welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. It's good that you can join us in person this evening, and also online as well. Well God calls us together into worship, uh, He calls us out of our sin and brokenness, out of our rebellion and wandering, into life with Him in worship. And so, before we actually come in worship, let's take a few moments to prepare ourselves for our worship.
1: This week's call to worship comes from Psalm 121. Uh, please stand with us. Even though there won't be any congregational singing, feel free to read along with the responsive reading. Lift my not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not shake you by day, nor the moon by night.
2: Lift my eyes.
1: you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. be seated. Would you join me in prayer? Almighty and everlasting God, King of King and Lord of Lords, whose name is above every name here on earth, you rescued your people from the hands of accusers and oppressors. You heard their cries for relief and delivered them from evil on the wings of eagles. You parted the waters of the sea so that your people might cross on dry land, and you destroyed those who would harm them. When your people hungered and thirst, you provided bread from heaven and opened springs of running water in desert places. To you alone, O Lord, do we, your people, turn to worship and give you praise. Gracious Father, we often find ourselves crying out to you for relief, and deliverance from our own circumstances and our own shortcomings. We feel our need for deliverance and the wandering in desert places within our souls. In our neighborhoods, cities, nation, and even in our very hearts, evil, violence, and injustice dwell and in reign. We find our souls burdened and wearied from the things we see within our world and our hearts some of us come filled with grief and with what we see and overwhelmed by our sins some of us come willing ready and eager to worship and serve your kingdom some of us come filled with doubts about what you're doing and your purposes wherever we are god we know that you do not turn from us but rather gladly draw near to us in your word and by your spirit of comfort to challenge and renew and comfort our faith. Lord, we long for things to be different in our marriages and relationships. We long for past hurts and pains to go away and no longer bring us into the pits of despair. We seek to find answers to our struggles and problems Jesus Christ, our Savior and King, teach us to seek after you and give us a desire and longing for your word and truth. May we find our longings fulfilled as we feed upon your grace and mercy. May we find our hunger, hunger for lasting connection and belonging satisfied in our union with you, Jesus Christ. By your spirit, give us a renewed vigor and joy to worship you this evening, O God, and teach us to delight in you and your saving grace as we praise your holy name. Move us towards our neighbors and towards strangers and increase in our hearts a generosity to those in need. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, We often come bringing our sin and our burden. And this evening, uh, we're going to actually have a special song that Dan's going to lead us in as a way of reflection, and then we will have a time of private confession. God invites us to stop hiding and to bring ourselves before him, bring our burdens and our sins before him. And he is good to hear our prayers. So let us do that now in private confession. Gracious Father, you know our tendency is to hide, and it can be scary to bring before you our burdens and our sins, and yet you have promised by the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive our transgressions and to lift up our downtrodden souls. Amen. Amen. Well, our words of assurance this evening come from Psalm 46. Would you please recite these words with me together? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Amen.
3: The scripture lessons for today are the Old Testament lesson from Isaiah, chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And her wilderness he will make like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and sound of a melody. Pay attention to me, O my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for a law will go forth from me, and I will set my justice for a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastland will wait for me, and for my arm they will wait expectantly. Lift up your eyes to the sky, then look to the earth beneath, for the sky will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants will die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not wane." The New Testament lesson is from Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches, in his teaching, or he who exhorts, in his exhortation, He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness.
0: evening well for a number of weeks now we have been working our way through the gospel of John and one of the ways that we've been invited to see Jesus to enter into his life and ministry is through the seven signs seven miracles but another way that John invites us into who Jesus is is through seven I am statements made by Jesus And if Jesus' miracles, his signposts, his markers were pointers, these statements begin to to clear up any confusion, any uncertainty about who Jesus is. They are dangerously bold. And more significantly, really, really good news. And so tonight we will encounter Jesus' first I am statement. In John. So let's turn together to John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is God's word, it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that you would open us up to hear your words of life, to receive them, and be changed by them. We ask this in the name of Christ, amen. Well, right away, John tells us about this crowd, the same crowd that Jesus had fed on the other side of the sea just a day before. And it wasn't a normal meal, right? Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. And so we can imagine the imprint that this left on the people in the crowd. I mean the sense of wonder the the awe and enjoyment of that meal i mean john goes out of his way to tell us that they didn't just eat loaves and fish but they had their fill that the that there was an abundance they showed up having seen jesus heal some people and maybe just maybe he could do something for them something to get them through something to help them survive and flourish in the harshness of their world. And Jesus miraculously, he responds, not just by feeding them, but by giving them a feast. And John, of course, he says they were filled up. Well, my four-year-old son, he knows the, the kind of surprise. Um, he got a new set of Hot Wheel cars this week. And, and when he got it, his eyes grew big with delight. He was enchanted, meticulously looking at every car in the package. I mean, this new gift, it stirred his imagination. It awoke a new world of possibilities. And the crowd was filled up with this unexpected world, with Jesus at the center. So if being around Jesus meant that they would not only have their daily bread, but be filled up, We can imagine the turmoil of letting Jesus slip out at night. That moment of fear, that realization that he's gone, it had to be real uncomfortable. Perhaps you can even feel that in your stomach, when you lost your wallet, when even maybe you lost sight of your own children. (laughs) Nothing else matters in that moment except for the return of that something, that someone that that, that you care a lot about that maybe even matters the most to you. And so they do what many of us do in those anxious and unsettled moments. We start to ask some honest, maybe even tough questions. Where did I put it? How could I let this happen? (laughs) John tells us that they find him. And they share one of those frantic, Questions, Rabbi, when did you come here? <laughs> Even if their question hints at a relief of finding Jesus, Jesus exposes them with his own piercing answer to their question. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus unmasked them. I don't know about you, but this is the part about chasing Jesus down that gets real uncomfortable. You see, when we get close to Jesus, all of his generosity, all of his lavish grace, all of his fierce kindness, it begins to reach out with profound disruption. And What is it that you actually hunger for? What is it that you want? What is it that you want from Jesus what happens when he says you are not seeking to get me not to get what you really need but to have that fleeting satisfaction Jesus words they are right on the nose they are exposing and maybe even a little terrifying I mean how dare Jesus confront this thing that I need he he should know how much I need this it's not even a bad thing he should know how much it has helped me survive in this world. And it's hard for us to see our hearts at this level. It was hard for the religious leaders to, to see at this level. It was hard for the disciples walking with Jesus daily to see at this level. And just like He always is, Jesus is patient and fierce and bold and deeply loving to confront the binds upon our hearts. This is the heart of idolatry, right? When we begin to make something, even good things, our home. When we give them our heart's desire, when we ask these things to hold the weight of our deep longings, This is a deep tragedy because when we ask these things to hold our longing it gets real easy to get lost in them. When we give our hearts to them over and over again hoping that maybe this time it will satisfy it is a hard and vicious loop of emptiness and sadness. So things like achieving and success are good things but what happens in you, when you didn't get that promotion, or your boss or coworker, they seized the credit that you deserved, what happens to you in that place? Being a good person, having a good reputation, being seen well in other people's eyes is a good thing. But what happens when Jesus or others are asking you to step into a more honest place, one of weakness, and vulnerability, or even failure. Enjoying a show or sporting event is a good thing, right? But what happens when you can't escape that world? When family demands or life demands, they challenge that sacred space. What happens in you? Jesus' words, they invite the crowd. It invites us to see past our blindness, to hold the reality of our heart's desire, not alone, but meeting his fierce kindness and his eyes. He lingers in that place, aware of all of the shame, all of the scrambling, all of the defensive minimizing. He lingers there with his disruptive tenderness, faithful to pass through all of the brokenness, all of the death, with you to awaken, uh, to awaken your heart to new life. Well, to be filled up, to have bread in this way, it was a significant in this part of the ancient world. In fact, people didn't ordinarily eat meat, it was a, luxur- a luxury. So in many ways, bread was really the heart of the meal, and it came to signify life itself. And this mindset, it shows up even in the Lord's prayer, right? Jesus invites us when we ask God for our needs to, to give us our daily bread. Bread was the thing that kept you on your feet. It was the thing that you needed for everyday life. And so when the crowd sees and experiences Jesus making plenty out of a few loaves, all of, the, all of this bread, it stirs up memory the memory of these people. And what comes to mind for them? (laughs) Well, they say in verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Well, what came to mind was that moment when God delivered his people out of Egypt from slavery and traveling through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, there was nothing to eat and they would have starved to death except God miraculously, he gave them manna six days a week. And manna appeared on the ground in the morning, and it looked like frost, and it was flaky, and they gathered it up and turned it into cakes that tasted like honey. And it filled them up. But here's the thing, being filled up with bread was not the end point for God's people. Being filled up is never the final piece. It is not home for the Israelites in the wilderness. It's not home for the crowd. It's not home for all of us. And if we're honest, we can feel and understand the fragility of making things like food, our place of rest, of thinking that this is truly fullness and life. We know that placing all of our hope, all of our heart desire towards things like being full with financial security, being full with physical and bodily health, being full with success and reputation, being full with religious piety, being full with entertainment, all of those things that that they can never keep us filled with life, Jesus wants them to see it. He wants us to see that being filled up with miracle bread, it was only a sign intended to lead the eye and the mind and the heart to the true gift of God. Jesus says, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And if we have been listening to John in his gospel, we know that he, over and over again, is showcasing Jesus as the one who brings eternal life. And what does he mean by this? What is he talking about? (laughs) Well, first of all, it is about a quality of life. I mean, does Jesus just mean to say that this is about life extended, that life will just keep going for you? No, Jesus wants us to see that it isn't just life extended beyond the grave, but but it is a, a quality of life. And we know because the word that Jesus uses for life, its range of meaning, it extends beyond just existence. It is about quality, about a flourishing life. Right now, in our covid world we know existence right doing the things that we need to do to survive to distance to wear a mask to wash your hands to use sanitizers as we stay at home to work and and not go to school we juggle watching our children so much of what we experience can be existence and rightly so but how many of us long to feel that our lives are full, that we can flourish, that, and live out of an abundance? Existence has no answer for all of the self-doubt, all of the emptiness, all of the frustrations, everything you hold right now. Just imagine that going on forever. I mean, there's a word for that in the Bible. It's called hell. <laughs> Eternal existence is hell. But eternal life is a quality of life. It is what you do to go just from existing to living. Flourishing has meaning. It has joy. It has courage and strength. It has lament and grief. It has peace. And here's the thing. This isn't, this isn't not some flourishing that happens just in the future, just when, just when I die. But it is a flourishing that happens right now. Eternal life is about your future life. Yes, but it also starts now. You see Jesus says, "Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst." You don't have to wait to get a to you don't have to wait for a vaccine to get it. You don't have to get up cleaned up to get it. You don't have to hold to certain standards or know all of the right people to get it. Jesus says, "If you come to me, You believe in me, you get it now. When we seek to have our fill, Jesus offers to satisfy the deep hunger, that hunger which moves us from existing to living. And if we try to fill up that hunger with anything but Jesus, it will spoil. Friends, anytime we turn to that we we chase down hoping any anything that we turn to hoping that it will give us life give us the quality of life that we long for it's going to spoil and think about that if you put your whole sense of worth into being the most successful worker or parent or student will it hold up will it endure or will it spoil Is our thinking, if only my kids were really well disciplined or if they were spiritually more sure or able to process their emotions well, then then I would be so fulfilled. Or have I gotten the raise? People see the expertise that I bring to work and are giving me more, and I must be so satisfied and full. Does it endure? Do the longings find satisfaction in those places? Do you ever ask yourself, shouldn't my life be more filled up? Why do I feel empty even with all the goodness in my life? Well, Jesus demonstrates how deeply he knows the crowd, how deeply he knows you and me because he unmasked those longings with surprising disruption. He says, I'm the bread of life. (laughs) Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst and the crowd they ask the question that our longings often ask what must I do to get this (laughs) Jesus is telling them he is telling us the the gift is not an achievement it's not more stuff it's not more pleasure but it is a, a relationship not just with anyone but with God in the flesh Jesus says for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And how can Jesus do this? How can he give us this bread? Well, Jesus says very emphatically, I am the bread of life. And this is the first of many I am's that Jesus will utter in his life. And this expression, I am, it sends off a big and a loud statement about who Jesus claims to be in this moment. You see, when he uses the words, I am, he's taking on the divine name that God gave Moses in Exodus three in the burning bush. God appears to Moses in that bush and he says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And and Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And God says, "Tell, tell them, I am sent you. God is saying, I am the God who always is without beginning, without end. There there never was a time when I wasn't. There will never be a time when I will be. I always am. God is saying that He is the source of all being and nothing depends on Him. So, Moses, tell them that the source of all being has sent you and being itself has sent you. Jesus is saying that's who He is. He is the source of all being in this world and the bread that you need, that you long for. Jesus says, I alone am that satisfying, fulfilling, nourishing source of life for you. Jesus picks this up later with his disciples at the Last Supper. We're told that he broke the bread and he said, this is my body given for you. Source of all being in the universe, took on on a body, gave himself over to death to make you whole. He becomes the sinless atoning sacrifice, the bread that is broken so that we could be raised up to eternal life. And let me just say, as we close, just a few things about what this means for you and for me. In the wilderness, God gave his people manna to sustain them. He gave just enough so that that they wouldn't store it up and that they would learn to depend on God. And maybe for some of us, we feel like we are in the wilderness. We're just trying to make it through to survive the world we're living in. And we need to come in in faith, even if that faith feels weak, even when it is full of complaining, even uh, we need to come to God in unscripted prayer, in honest confession and hearing His Word over and over again. We need to come for our daily bread. It will fill you up. If you're going through a wilderness right now, if you're going through a really, really difficult time, God has manna for you. But please know, God knows how hard it is to change your diet. (laughs) But if you come to Him with hands open, with hand the the open hands of faith, and you receive what he's giving you, it will sustain you, it will fill you, it may even surprise you with its sweetness. And many times it is the wilderness journey that helps us learn how to feed on Jesus. Now here's the thing about being filled up with the bread of life. All of the frantic searching, (laughs) all of the worrying that you may even depend on to keep you going, that drives your lifeblood, it can receive satisfaction, a rest that slows you down, that that calms the water of your soul, that even helps you hold all of the pain that your heart so desperately wants to avoid, to hold it with love and grace and kindness. Friends, let's come, let's believe, and feast on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that your Son, who is perfect, who is our bread, became breakable so that we can have a full and flourishing life. Work in our hearts to expose all of the perishable things we feed on so that we can, by faith, receive the bread of life that fills us up. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Love of God is the hymn of hope. Let the needies join the throng. Let the widow hear and call. Let the crippled rise to sing their song.
1: stand with me as we close our time of worship uh, we're going to recite our faith together proclaim our faith together and i'm just i'm thankful to hear god's word preached in a reminder that we do not live in an eternal existence but that our future is eternal life in christ Um, so let us proclaim our faith together praise the lord O my soul all my inmost being Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion.
0: Just a quick reminder that after the service, uh, you're welcome to stick around for a time of fellowship, time to hang out. uh, But we'll do that outside, just outside the front there. There's a space there we can all be together and mingle. But receive now God's blessing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Go in peace. Amen.